Hawks were careless in Cleveland. We didn't get stops, you know. They they made timely uh, baskets. Uh, I thought the second half, we had way too many turnovers. Welcome into the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Daniel Salerson. AJC Hawks beat reporter Lauren Williams will join the show in just a few minutes. On today's podcast, Lauren will recap the last week where the Hawks went 2-1. and one. And of course, we'll open up the mailbag to answer your questions. The Hawks fell to the Cavaliers last night 114 to 102. We'll start the pod with a quick recap, but first, this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Ocean Breeze, Tropical Beach, Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As Nate McMillan mentioned, the turnovers play a big role in the Hawks' loss Monday night in Cleveland. Elena turned the ball over 17 times, resulting in 23 points off of those 17 mistakes. Trey Young led the team with 25 points, but was disappointed with how his team played in the final 12 minutes, losing the quarter 29-20. You got your credit to them. I mean, they made plays all night, and uh, I think at the same time, we kind of we put ourselves in a hole late in the game with some turnovers and not executing down the stretch on the offensive end. DeAndre Hunter missed the game with a non-COVID illness, which meant rookie A.J. Griffin got the start. After his game-winning buzzer beater on Saturday night, A.J. followed that up with 17 points on 7 of 11 shooting and 3 of 6 from downtown. Head coach Nate McMillan. He did, you know, did a good job. He made some shots out there and, uh, you know, was able to, um, you know, make some make some threes and be productive. It was a tough go for DeJounte Murray, who scored just 11 points on 4 of 17 shooting. John Collins had 16 points, but just one rebound. Hey, Lauren, what happened in Cleveland Monday night? Yeah, Daniel, I think we can attribute tonight's loss to a couple of things, but I think the biggest thing is that the turnover problem bit them in the butt again tonight. They ended up giving away 17 turnovers, which the Cavs were able to score 23 points off of. Four of those turnovers came in that final you know, three to four minute stretch when the Hawks were trying to make that final push, but the Cavaliers were able to capitalize and score about eight points off of those turnovers in that stretch and get out to a 13 point lead. Atlanta heads back home where they'll welcome in the Sacramento Kings on Wednesday night. Tip off a set for 7:30. Don't forget to check out the Hawks after the game pages in the AJCE paper and online at AJC.com which is only available if you subscribe at subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. Okay, Lauren, take it away. All right. Thank you so much for giving us that recap, Daniel. I think we can, we'll probably not know whether tonight's game, Monday night's game was a good game or not by the time I'm talking about this right now, but we're hoping it is. But obviously a lot of games have 
happened before the Hawks faced the Cavaliers. You know, there was... Honestly, right now, I'm kind of blanking on the games that happened before uh, Saturday. <laughs> I can help you with Just that, because, Lauren, if you need it. Yeah, please help me out, Daniel. What happened before Saturday when, you know, we had that amazing game winner from AJ Griffin? What happened? Yeah, you had Toronto, the big win. I was hoping you didn't forget mm-hmm. that one. That was the most important one. No. But then you had a loss to the, the hottest team in the NBA, the Boston Celtics. Is that the we, Celtics? That okay. was the 25-point loss. And then a 15-point yeah. win over the Bucks, um last okay. Monday, which is where we left you. So two in one week since we last spoke. I cannot believe that that Bucks game was last week Monday. <laughs> it's all it feels like together. that was a lifetime ago. <laughs> it was a lifetime ago because you had two days oh off gosh. in between games from Boston to Toronto. So you actually had a couple yeah. days to relax a little bit or not really relax, but unwind. And then yeah, back to yeah. every other every other day for this Hawk squad. Honestly, we're clearly at the point of the season where everything is blending together. We don't know what days of the week we are. We just know that it's either game day or practice day or an off day. There's no in between. Um, but that actually happened to Onyeka Okwangu at practice on Friday, um, that was before the Toronto game, where someone had asked him about, you know, whether or not he was going to be watching the UCLA USC basketball game. And he was convinced that it was happening that day. And he's like, wait, no, today's Saturday, right? We were like, no, today's Friday. And I asked him if he was going to show up at the arena thinking it was Saturday. He's like, no, I knew the game was tomorrow, but I just didn't know what day of the week it was. So players, fans, journalists, all the games are blending together. But anyway, before I continue rambling about how lost I am in whatever space-time continuum this is, there were three games that happened before we recorded this. As Daniel mentioned, there was the Bucks win on Monday. There was the blowout loss to the Celtics on Wednesday. And then there was, of course, that amazing overtime win on Saturday. And so I think we can all agree that this team has gotten a little too consistent with being inconsistent. And they'll tell you themselves that they they want to kind of clean all of that up. I think that's been kind of a theme throughout this entire 16-game stretch of, of these first 16 games that they just want to clean things up. They're tired of being an inconsistent team. They want to be the team that night in, night out does everything as close to perfect as they possibly as they possibly can be. But I think what's hurting this team a lot and it was a, it was a theme particularly over this last 3 game stretch is that they don't have enough scoring on the bench. AJ Griffin can only do so much, but they do not have enough scoring on the bench. And it's coming down to the starters a lot of the time to kind of clean up all of those mistakes on the offensive end. I mean, we've seen Trey have Trey Young have a 33 point night against the the Raptors, and you know AJ Griffin scored 17 points. DeAndre Hunter scored about what 22 points. Murray Dejounte Murray scored 17 points. Clint, who has been awesome in this stretch, had 18 points. So everybody outside of, you know, Trey, DeJounte, Clint, DeAndre, and AJ were all in single, single digits. So I think, and, and we touched on it a little bit too last week, is that we need to see more from John, John Collins. 
And I know it's not all him. And we kind of, again, we touched on it again, where we need to see him doing a little bit more off the ball to kind of get involved in the offense. And I think we kind of started to see it a little bit more this past week in terms of him really going after those rebounds so that he can start to kind of push the ball and transition as soon as he, you know, kind of gets out of that stampede, not stampede, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the hubbub of all the players who are trying to box him out or anything like that. I'm sorry, guys, I'm running on like five hours of sleep. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's kind of the best way that he can get those touches. And that's something that the team has also asked of Jalen Johnson, their, their backup power forward, is that he's out there pushing the ball in transition as soon as he grabs that rebound. And we just haven't really been seeing that. I mean, John, for his efforts, he's been pretty good on the defensive glass. I don't think we can say that we're disappointed in his defensive performances, but I don't know what it is. I still can't put my finger on if it's just he's in a shooting slump or if he's not getting enough touches, which is causing the shooting slump. I don't know. I I can't figure it out because you would think that in these last three games, we've seen Trey and DeJounte making a concerted effort to get him the ball, but it's just not going in the basket for him. So I don't know what you've observed, Daniel. What 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 do you think is the issue? I still think he's doing too much of watching the ball and not moving without the basketball. There are some instances where I did see he was cutting better, like we mentioned, some backdoor cuts following up on some putbacks. There's still plenty of times where Trey or DeJounte driving in the middle of the paint, they swarm the defense and he's sitting there waiting for a three. Like, as much as I know he wants to shoot the three and he knows he thinks he's capable of making them, which he is capable of it, but he's not capable of making consistently. I think we have to be honest about that, that he's got to put himself in a better position, whether you scoot in a little bit, shoot that mid-range jumper, or drive. Because again, once they collapse, you can go back door and no one's going to be down there underneath the rim protecting. So I think for John, I think he's only hurting himself by not moving without the basketball a little more. I think until he recognizes that, He's going to get continue to get the same shots that he's been taking, and they're either threes or they're contested, or he's not getting shots at all. And again, when you're not getting into a rhythm and you're only touching it a few times, it makes you want to shoot more, even though it's not the best shot. And we've talked about that. When they are moving the ball and they're sharing the ball, they look like one of the best teams in the league. But when they're not, that's where they have some trouble. And I think maybe that's where the second unit is not really cohesive enough, where they're getting a lot of buckets. I think... Same thing with Jayla Johnson. He's so athletic. I feel like instead of relying on shot making, it's got to be creating by being off the ball, getting those rebounds, those putbacks. And I know Clint Capella takes up a lot of those when he's in the lineup too. But I think with those guys, you need a little bit more from, from Justin. I know AJ is kind of taken over on that, but you mentioned you can't rely on your 16th pick to be your go-to score off the bench. And I know that'll change when Bogey eventually gets back. But we talked about at the beginning of the year how we thought this team was going to have some depth. And I still think they do. Just maybe it's just the fact that it still feels new for everyone. Not everyone's clicking at the right time that they're just not getting the best shots off that they can. Or they're passing up good shots, as Nate McMillan has preached the last couple of weeks, that they're also passing up the shots that they need to be taking. I was going to say, I think that's that's the key thing is that sometimes it looks like the offense, when they are moving the ball, it's moving a little bit slower than you would like. 
And Trey actually had a really great point after that Boston loss that, you know, he thinks that these guys are overthinking a little bit. And I kind of have to agree because you can kind of see the wheels turning when they they're in the corner or they're they're on the sideline waiting for that three and they catch it. And instead of just letting it fly when it's a wide open shot, they wait till the defender is coming and closing out on them. And so. Yes, sometimes it's good to have that in your bag where you can do the pump fake and move in and knock the shot down. But if you're wide open for the three, just take the three. Um, and so we we notice in this league that defenders are starting to close out a lot faster on those three-point shots. And so those opportunities for you to set your feet are just dwindling. <laughs> So there's not a there's not a lot of time for them to really be thinking about that. They just got to let the ball go. Um, but going back to Collins a little bit, I think this team has kind of noticed that he is searching for that three-point shot and at practice on on Sunday and and Friday, uh we actually saw Kyle Korver working with him and not necessarily breaking down the mechanics step by step, but just giving him a few helpful hints here and there to hopefully, you know, maybe calm whatever nerves he has or or stress he's feeling to to try and get that shot up and press as opposed to just kind of letting the game naturally come to him. So we'll see if they that comes into play on Monday night. I, I will say I think tonight isn't necessarily the night to try out any new three-point tips just because you're facing the second most efficient team in the league from three. Uh, the Cavs are shooting, what, 39.1% from three-point range. They have two guys who are shooting over 40% on more than seven attempts per game. And you have two seven-footers in, in the post who are going to force you to try and take those shots from outside. But this is the night that you want to see this team really, really move the ball and get those defenders out of the paint and create open space for, for Trey to get in and, and knock those floaters down that we know that he's capable of. Get Murray some space to knock those mid-range jumpers down that we know he's capable of. Create some space for, for Clint to you know potentially get those dunks. Create space for John to get those um, lob and dunks and and everything like that. They may not have DeAndre Hunter tonight, so I am curious what that what happens there. Like who does that mean that the rookie gets the the start tonight or do we see Justin Holiday back in the rotation? I mean, he's essentially been kind of bench, so I don't think you go from bench to starter. So uh, we'll see see what happens and, and who they go with. So that's that'll be an interesting part of the recap for you. <laughs> I was about tonight. to say, can we predict the future, even though we technically already know what happened if you're listening to this podcast, because the recap yeah. goes first. Later, <laughs> right. So. Is it is it the no. So yeah, that, a, there we go again with the space time yeah. continuum. Yes. Yeah, so um, it will be interesting to see what they do and, and what they did do as far as tonight. But it starts a, a pretty interesting week, too. Because as we talked about before, not only have they alternated wins and losses since November 7th, it's been win-loss, 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 but now they're alternating home and road games for the next week at Cleveland, home for Sacramento for one game, who a really good Sacramento Kings team right now, 
and then you're back on the road for Houston, and then you come back home for Miami at the end of the week, and then you go back on the road, starting a back-to-back, go Philly all the way down to Orlando. So I'm not sure the schedule makers, when they go geography-wise, if they really thought about, let's go all the way up to Philadelphia, then go back to Orlando. But this is going to be an interesting week and a half or so for the Hawks Mm -hmm. as far as if they want to consistently start a winning streak. I mean, this Cleveland Mm -hmm. matchup is going to be no joke for them. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is that Cleveland is... So if if we were looking at the playoff picture right now, Cleveland is only half a game behind them. And obviously, if Cleveland wins this one, uh, it brings up some stuff with a tiebreak, right? Yep. So this is this is a game that they really, really want to try and get. And I think, you know, what's interesting is that this team has never lost more than two in a row. So just knock on wood that that, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't start now that I put that out there. But we also want to start seeing them win more than three in a row, which is what their their longest win streak is. So hopefully we can see them win Monday night against the Cavs, Wednesday night against the Sacramento. Kings, and, yep. and, and then so on and so forth. So... Yeah, it's an interesting stretch of games, some competitive games coming up. Philly, you know, they're still kind of at half strength a little bit. They, they've they been without Harden. They've lost Maxi, Tyrese Maxi, And, you know, they just announced that Joel Embiid will be out for a little bit with, a, what, what was that? I forget what it was, but he's missing the next strain. two games. Yeah, he's missing the next two yeah. games, so he can maybe trickle into... I don't know by the time next Monday rolls around if he's going to still be out, mm-hmm. but you're right about that. And this is going to be the third time you're playing Philly already. And it's just like Milwaukee, which I think the mm-hmm. good thing for the Hawks and the schedule is that you've already knocked out. You'll knock out three against Philly by the end of November. Mm-hmm. You knocked out three against Milwaukee. Those are two mm-hmm. of the teams that you're probably going to be pushing for seating wise in the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference. And you got them. You're two and one against Milwaukee. You have mm-hmm. a chance to go up two one at Philadelphia, too. That, that down the road, those could be huge playoff implications that you knocked out yep. early in the season where the schedule obviously will have to get a little easier for this Hawks team the way it started mm-hmm. because it hasn't been an easy road. You've knocked out two against Toronto already. And mm-hmm. when they get Siakam back, when they get healthy, um, they're going to be a good team too. So I think the, Haw- the Hawks need to take advantage too of these types of games where winning these games early against these teams when they're not fully healthy or not really at mm-hmm. the strength of what they can be can really help them down the road as far as the difference between a two and a three seed difference between three and four, or hopefully doesn't get to home court or right. not home court coming the first round. Exactly. No, that's exactly that. And, you know, you mentioned bogey a little bit earlier and, you know, we, I was able to see something good happen at practice on Sunday. Bogey was participating in some three-on-three action. Oh, look at Like, <laughs> I know. Whew. Obviously, he wasn't going up against all of his teammates. He was mostly working with Pac's player development staff and, and a couple of the bench players in Frank Kaminsky and, and Vic Krejci. But he was moving and grooving. He was cutting. He was knocking shots down. He was making passes. He was hitting turn away, fadeaways. I mean, he looks like bogey. So I don't know when he will be back. But the fact that we're seeing some three-on-three uh, live play is 
I ho- I hope a really good sign. I don't want to. I'm not reporting that he's coming mm. back. Please don't don't take it as as I'm saying he's going to be back. But it's a good sign, and they need him. They really need him. Yeah, I mean, you so, talk about the lack of three point shooting. Plus, they're doing mm-hmm. all this without him. They're ten and six right now. So you can add that shooting off the bench to go along mm-hmm. with the AJ Griffin and you know the Jalen Johnsons and, and see what happens a Kongu off the bench. Then you you really have something there with that second yeah. unit. You just haven't had that chemistry there with him. You haven't had mm-hmm. a full strength second unit that you would like because Bogey changes everything when he's on the court just based he on does. his shooting. Um, so that's gonna that's really gonna change the game and hopefully it's it's sooner rather than later. And and when he does come back, he you know will likely be on a little bit of a minutes restriction based on what he and the training staff and and coach Nate McMillan kind of come up with. But when I did ask. Uh, Coach McMillan about that last week, he kind of, you know, he was saying that it was too early to even go into detail about what to expect when Bogey comes back and what the adjustment period will be like. So I think that's why, you know, you got to temper expectations, even though we did get a chance to see him doing those th- that three on three action. It sounds like there's still some things that he has to to get through in that rehab process. But We'll keep an eye on that. We're not going to, you know, let the Hawks uh, get too far ahead with keeping his timeline secret. Hopefully we'll get some more information on that soon. But until then, this is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I just wanted to take the time to thank all of our listeners and subscribers that have tuned into our podcast and have been reading our stories in the AJC and on AJC.com. If you aren't a subscriber, you can do so at subscribe.ajc.com and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents that's subscribe.ajc.com so you always know what's really going on all right everyone daniel it's time for the mailbag it's time for the mailbag let's do it you can follow lauren on twitter at williams lauren l for all your questions every sunday lauren's trying to tweet out Questions for today's podcast, and so we try mm-hmm. to get them in on our Monday recording, and you'll hear mm-hmm. them, of course, on this Tuesday. So we'll start with a friend of the program, at uh, wet underscore pepper, who seems to tweet us every week. We appreciate it. Good questions What's every up, week. What's up, wet pepper? Wet pepper. <laughs> Ask, can we consider AJ a steal in the draft yet? Absolutely. Honestly, I think I would have considered him a steal in the draft after that career high 24 point game he had a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's just been unreal for this team. I think 
he's far he's definitely exceeded their expectations and I think he's earned a lot of coach McMillan's trust I mean the fact that you're putting your rookie out there in a tight game in overtime to close it out that says a lot about the amount of trust that this team has in him. So I would absolutely say he is a steal for this team. And I think when you look back at a lot of those mock drafts that happened kind of leading up to the draft in June, a lot of them had him going as high as five. So it's, I think a lot of the concern came about due to his injury history and that's why he fell so far down to 16, but yes, he's absolutely a steal at number 16 for this team. Yeah, he's been one of the more impactful rookies, I would say, here, and, and someone that the yeah. Hawks have turned into a go-to player off the bench, that's for sure. So hopefully we yep. see more of that throughout the rest of the season. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit too early to start putting this stuff out there, and I haven't gotten a chance to to watch guys like Keegan Murray. I mean, I've watched... Uh, Jaden Ivy. I haven't gotten a chance to see much of uh, Benedict Matherin and and all of um, those guys, but I definitely think that AJ's name should certainly be in the mix for Rookie of the Year. I mean, he's kind of if you if you kind of think back a little bit, he kind of has a similar trajectory as like a, a I I don't know. Am I too far off base saying this? But like a Scotty Barnes, you come into a team that is you know, supposed to be competing. They don't necessarily have all of the pieces in place yet, but, you know, he's definitely part of the reason this Hawks team is third in the East. And Scotty last year was part of the reason that the Raptors went as far as they did in the playoffs and, and into the postseason. So I don't know. Is it is it too off base for me to draw that comparison? No, it's not. It's just it's so hard when people vote for rookie of the year, whether it's the most impact on your team or what mm -hmm. I've noticed is the numbers that you've put up and that's it. Mm -hmm. Cause if that's the case, Paolo Bencaro, mm -hmm. most likely if he stays healthy, yes. he's probably going to run oh, away absolutely. with it just for the numbers. He's obviously had an impact on Orlando, but Orlando's not projected to be a very good team. And based yep. on where I was last year, it was the same for Herb Jones. If you look at his impact with the Pelicans defensively, mm -hmm. it was unbelievable, but he averaged, maybe eight points per game. And I think that hurt him as far as his rookie of the year rankings yeah. and Scotty Barnes absolutely deserved it. And there were others that deserved it, but I think he got less attention because of the numbers he put up, not exactly how much he right. was helping the Pelicans roster. So it depends on really the voting and who makes those decisions, whether it's impact on the team or if it's mm -hmm. flat out the numbers you put out, because even a guy like Franz Wagner last year for Orlando probably could have gotten yeah. some more just from the Keep numbers that he him. put up. And I think it was Mobley. because, yeah, Mobley, exactly. So it's just, it's hard to really figure out Rookie of the Year. But I definitely think, I know NBA.com has a ladder, an NBA rookie ladder. And if AJ's mm -hmm. not on there, then I don't really trust the ladder at all. So I'll have to go back and look <laughs> and see. I think it's top 10 as far as rookies. So yep. he better be at least on there as far as the impact. But um, yep. we'll see what he can do. Um, now on to the kind of more interesting topics. There's a couple more questions here. Mm -hmm. They both have to relate to John Collins, but I'll start with, at Dre GB, D-R-E-G-B, Stats Mega is his name. Most likely trade Hunter or Collins. Those two are core and everything like that, but Atlanta's going to have to get mm -hmm. better roster-wise to compete with Boston. Absolutely. And listen, there's a there's a reason that John Collins' name is always in the trade rumor mill. And that doesn't necessarily mean that 
the Hawks are absolutely ready to move on from him. But sometimes when that information gets put out there, it's as simple as a team has made a call just to inquire about players and it gets spun into something else. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that what eventually comes out is wrong, but it maybe gets a little bit exaggerated. And, um, and so I think that if there is a player that the Hawks do move on from it, I could see it being Collins just because he has a lot less years left on that contract. But I think that's really what's holding a team back from potentially pulling the trigger on that, on that if, if, he's interest, if they're interested. And then the other thing is, it's, it's just hard to see where exactly he fits. You know what I mean? Like whenever I think about, okay, if a team were to, were to call it and get ready to pull the trigger for, for John Collins, like where, where realistically could he fit? And I, I just always draw blanks. I just, right. he's, just a, he's just an Atlanta Hawk to me. <laughs> yeah. It's so hard. But I think DeAndre just has so much more upside right now with this team. Um, but then again, maybe that's, maybe that's what his value is, is just that he's been creating so much, um, opportunity for himself and that's what he, his value is. He's a great defender. He'll, he'll get you at least 15 points a night, at least 10 points a night. So I don't know. I, I can't answer that question, but I, if I, if I had to, I would probably say, say John, just because the Hawks just extended Hunter. I would agree. I would agree. And kind of on the same lines, this is from at Edgewood Adam. I don't know if this is hard to track tone in a tweet, but he says, please give <laughs> or try to an explanation as to why the Hawks just can't stop trying to trade Collins. Is he unhappy? Do they really think there's something better? All these years, I've yet to see an explanation. Yeah, I think, again, I think it just goes back to what I was just saying, where it's another team inquired and you pick up the phone, you're not going to turn down that conversation. But I think a team inquired to see what they're willing to take in exchange for, for John Collins, whether that's, you know, Atlanta eats some of that salary, you know, and, and what the Hawks want back in return for John Collins. So I don't think it's that they're actively out there trying to trade him. I think it's, it's more that they're just getting, they are getting calls for him. Um, because he does have value that he can add to the team. For me, I just I just can't see which team he would go to. I, I just see him fitting here, um, especially once he's able to get his his shooting numbers back up and get out of this little offensive slump that he's kind of fallen into. Yeah, so we shall see there. Hopefully that's the explanation mm-hmm. that you liked uh and if, if not, then we'll have to we'll have to talk about it next week on the show. But again, you can tweet yeah. Lauren. It doesn't have to be on Sundays or Mondays. Anytime during the week, if you have a question for Lauren, um, you can tweet at her at Williams Lauren L and make sure to give her a follow as well for all of her amazing Hawks coverage that she does for the AJC. So Lauren, I'll send it back to you. Yeah. Again, we you know Daniel and I we touched on it a lot already. The Hawks are really off to the races now. We definitely want to see this team getting consistent at being consistent. (laughs) And um, yeah, with that, it was great chatting with you all this week. 
Again, if you are interested in subscribing to the AJC, you can do so at subscribe.ajc.com. We'll be here giving you the stories behind the score every single game night. And with that, I'm Lauren Williams, and you're listening to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.